Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hi everyone, welcome to your nightly dose of Asian music and more here on Asian Pop Nation. My name is Lisa, the EP here, and the first song you heard was by Japanese female band Chili Beans with their song called Tremolo. A top pick, by the way, by our team members, which you can see more on our social media platforms. Always gotta be plugging. <laughs> Moving along, however, we also played the official solo debut of Monsex member Kihyun with his song titled Voyager. If you don't know, Monster X has a little bit of a special place in my heart, so this solo venture just 11 out of 10. I love it, but I hope you guys will also love our show tonight as we have our third interview in a row, this time with Malaysian rising pop singer Claudia telling us about her latest collaboration track called Feel Alive featuring Ashraf Nasir and Erwin and Fire. We also have our team tonight of Xenia, Tracy, Lee, Aaron, and JP giving us a couple of reviews from very highly anticipated movies such as Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and Turning Red. Plus, we also have some cheeky side topics about new games we have been playing lately and more. So, without delaying the show any further, let's hop to our next track coming from an all new South Korean boy group, which one of our APN team members dubs as the best K pop boy group debut of 2022 so far. So, let's see if you can agree with that statement as we play Tans Do 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 here on Asian Pop Nation. Greetings, dear listeners, to Sin's flagship show, Asian Pop Nation. It's me, Lisha, here, and you were just listening to Tan's Do Do Do. We also had the Australian band Joti with their song called Small Talk, which, fun fact, actually saw them during the Moomba Festival for a bit. But lastly, we have a big collaboration by Jay Park featuring the very beloved female artist IU with their song called Kanadara. On the topic of collaborations, however, the international artist we will be having the absolute pleasure to talk to tonight has just dropped her latest super catchy disco track, Feel Alive, which features Asham Nasir and Erwin and Fire. And not only does this song just add to her impressive discography of singles that have been building since 2020 till now, her additional career as an author has also been taking off to Just insane heights. So, without further ado, and before I just freak out more about this interview, let's put our hands together for Malaysian female artist Claudia. So, welcome everyone to Asian Pop Nation. You guys probably hear my voice too many times because I'm usually uh, the person front announcing, back announcing. It's Lisha here. Typical voice you hear, but we are being joined today by a very, very special guest, person that I personally just been enjoying your discography and everything so much. We're here with Claudia. Wow. Oh my Hello. God. Hi, hey, how are you going today? <laughs> I'm good. So happy to be here. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much. And welcome as well to you, to Asian Pop Nation. I mentioned before, I am a little bit obsessed with your whole music career at the moment. <laughs> But for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and also about your latest single that just came out this month called Feel Alive with rapper Ashab Nasir and your longtime producer Erwin and Fire? Yeah, of course. To those of you who don't know me, I'm Claudia. I'm a Malaysian-based pop musician and I've been making pop music since like two years ago, I think. 
I just released my new disco pop song called Feel Alive with local rapper Ashraf Nasir and Urban and Fire. So it's a very vibey dance song with a lot of 70s elements. And yeah, I'm really excited to share it with the world. When I heard the song, which is amazing by the way oh, i love it so much but especially when you're listening to feel alive and then if you go back to your last single called michaela they're yeah. definitely two like quite different music genres like michaela yeah. followed way more of like punk rock little like i hate you type of anthem yeah <laughs> whereas feel alive just fully embraces like it just turns up the disco pop sound to like a hundred percent so i just wanted to know like the thought process and like the inspiration into creating feel alive yeah i mean with every single that i put out i try to give something different so after me and Erwin, we were kind of like done with like the pop punk sound for a while. We kind of sat down and we're like, you know what, let's just get on the nostalgia train and make like, you know, a 70s song. And so he started with that funky bass line, you know, like the one mm-hmm. that runs in the beginning. Like, And it's like super, super awesome. And he sent it to me and I was like so into it that I wrote the lyrics for it in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I was it was pretty smooth process. Like I yeah, I think it was the quickest song that we've done. With Feel Alive, I definitely wanted to capture just the feeling of like letting loose on the dance floor and having fun, you know, because I I miss it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god. It is like it is the perfect song to like just blast it yeah. in like a club or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is. I think you perfectly like capture that sound fully and I I'm think it, like yeah and I think it just follows really well with one of your like earlier singles you've done called Bodies which also yeah. follows that like disco sound but again I feel like this one just it like turns it up to like the extreme. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as we mentioned earlier this song does feature of course your longtime producer that you have Erwin and Fire but it also features Malaysian rapper Ashraf Nasir and even though this isn't the first collaboration you've done before like yeah. you've done um a song with Malaysian band Tidal before with Bad yeah. Together also love yeah. that song and <laughs> And it's just like, how is it like collaborating with Asha Nasir for like the first time? Yeah, I mean, me and Ashraf, we've kind of admired each other's works for a while now. And like when he hit me up after my song Bodies, right, mm-hmm. like came up on the radio, like he he reached out to me and, and yeah, we connected through there and we wanted to get on our project for a while. So this felt like it was the perfect project to work on. So yeah, he, he's really, he's a really talented guy. And when he got on it, it was a smooth process mm. as well. So yeah, that rap that he did, like, in five minutes, I swear he wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like this song could just ace in like yeah. two seconds. <laughs> yeah, it was strangely smooth. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I also saw on your socials everything, both of you guys have just been like adorable TikToks and like Instagram <laughs> reels and stuff for it. Yeah. And it honestly had me thinking a lot about how like TikTok, especially, has kind of been like the platform to like really get your music out there. So, how is it like? navigating through that space and stuff for the both of you i've always used tiktok before Mm -hmm. this so like Mm -hmm. i kind of knew that was such a good space to get awareness for your music Mm -hmm. i think it's super important like in the landscape now Mm -hmm. especially for up-and-coming musicians i think tiktok is really it's unbeatable in like the way that can connect with people the biggest pro is that we don't really need to rely on like playlisting on spotify as Mm -hmm. much anymore because that used to be like the way to get 
you know, mm-hmm. you meet out there. So mm-hmm. now there's a direct way to connect with people who are willing to listen to all kinds of music. So it's great. Because it, again, it's just like, we're just currently seeing the boom right now with like the music industry just in you really general. Are. Yeah. I mean, a lot of musicians have found such crazy success mm-hmm. like with TikTok. I mean, I can name like so many, right? Like, like yourself? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that one of the earliest ones I would say is probably like Sa- Salem Elise. I think like she was the one who did like Mad at Disney and she was oh, like that one, one of the earliest pioneers of like promoting your music mm. on TikTok. So she, yeah, like it's crazy. Your song as well with bodies. Oh, yeah. that one also blew up on TikTok. I saw. Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> I actually had this question earlier, which I just thought it'll just be like a yeah. cute little cheeky one to answer, yeah. which I guess matches with the song too. I guess just what are some things in your life that make you feel alive? It's so cheesy, but uh, I mean that's so cute though. I love the question. I uh, want things. One of the things that make me feel alive. Um, fast Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> that makes. <laughs> Feel. That, that gets me going you know fresh new bed sheets maybe and <laughs> oh like a new keycap set for my keyboard i've been getting into keyboards recently. oh my god like, I, yeah i get like really crazy about it <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute what the heck oh so don't come don't come to melbourne thinking we're gonna have faster wi-fi not the case <laughs> it's even slower i can guarantee oh, no. <laughs> noted noted <laughs> but i guess on the topic of like because yeah we are a radio show here that is based in melbourne and i'm malaysian as well so i i guess i know like a little bit and pieces about the malaysian music scene and yeah. obviously you as a malaysian musician know like yeah. everything and anything but yeah. since our radio show is based in melbourne australia i was just wondering how you would personally describe the current malaysian music scene and where you kind of think it's heading at the moment for artists like yourself i think it's a bit hard to describe like mm-hmm. malaysian music scene as a whole because mm-hmm. like there's just so many different kinds of like genre like we have like malay music then mm-hmm. we have like chinese music mm-hmm. and i think those are like the two biggest ones like uh so like obviously the smallest one would be english music but i think it's a def like it's definitely growing big yeah i think the english music scene here is still a little young mm-hmm. but like a lot of them are are independent and mm. honestly it's become less of a deterrent as before because like mm-hmm. i mean before that you have to like you know rely a lot on like label backing and this and that but now you have like spaces like like i said like tiktok and mm-hmm. stuff and like you know you can promote your music there i think a lot of aspiring musicians you know looking to do english music are getting so creative with how they market themselves you know online so yeah there's definitely a pro in terms of like you know there's less reliance on like relying on label backing and stuff it's really interesting too because i think for people who are based in like a western society and they look at music from southeast asia the primarily the ones which reach out are ones which are sung more in english but then when it's actually in the local country itself it's songs that are sung in that home language that are actually more popularized. It's a weird thing. And it's like, yeah, again, it's so cool that you're currently in the space and you're really like making it out there. But it's like a weird, it's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. I mean, I try my best. (laughs) (laughs) While we are primarily focusing on your music career, I honestly think it's a little bit of a crime if we didn't mention your amazing writing career. This has been taking off at the moment, like your novel, Perfect Addiction. Like I'm even shocked just like even thinking about it or even like researching beforehand. So do you want to do the honors in like mentioning what's going on with the little novel of yours? Sure, I will. (laughs) 
I'm a writer as well. So I wrote this series called The Perfect Series, which is a romance series. And it's going to get published soon. The Perfect Addiction, which is the one that, you know, you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's going to be turned into a movie soon. <gasps> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's starring Ross Butler and Jenna Madeira from Fear Street. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty amazing year, I think. I can't believe it. And it's just like, yeah, yeah you you perfectly just describe how you're feeling about all these amazing <laughs> leaps in your career and all that stuff. And I'm just like, wow, okay, it's so cool. And I guess what I wanted to ask is I just, what kind of advice can you give to like aspiring, I guess, like young Asian musicians or authors or just young people in general who want to start building a career for themselves in this type of industry i think the one piece of advice i would give is don't wait for opportunities to come mm-hmm. i think i used to get really annoyed by it like mm-hmm. hey i'm i'm kind of talented and then i'm like you know a bit to offer like why can't these you know offers come to me mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like it's really having to find these opportunities yourself you know reach out to lots of people be shameless mm. i used to care so much about what other people think about me when i like re- reach out and stuff like i would get like imposter syndrome mm. and i'm still learning to overcome it but yeah i would say just be shameless and be willing to ask for these opportunities a little teaser moment if you don't mind me asking sure. it's just what sort of future plans do you have at the moment what's happening with claudia as a brand yeah. <laughs> i think i will be working on a few more singles maybe just to refine my sound a little bit mm-hmm. and then after that i'll probably be working on an ep so i'm oh, really excited about that oh. yeah if you look at claudia's discovery which you better listener i'm just saying <laughs> but if you look at it it's a lot of singles and i'm just like i love our singles but there's just always that thought of like when will she come up with an EP? Yeah, I get that a lot. People are like, "Where, when are you coming out with an album? When are you coming out with an album? And I'm like, I mean, I'll, I'm done working on it. You know? so craft, craftsmanship, guys. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I am so excited to just hear about that. And Claudia, again, you're just such a trailblazer at the moment. And it's just an honor being able to talk to you. Thank, thank, you, thank so you so much. much. No, I mean, I'm honored to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for hopping in in our virtual studio here at Asian Bomb Nation. And I guess to wrap everything up nicely, where can our listeners find you? Find me everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Claudia Capslock on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, you know, all the music streaming platforms. And I'm Claudia over here on TikTok and Claudia in another double A, Tan on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. And again, everyone... Just check out her new song, Feel Alive, with Asha Nasir and her producer, Irwin and Fire. It is a disco pop track. And of course, we're going to be playing it after. But yeah, thank you, Claudia. Thank you so much for having me. You are tuning in to Asian Pop Nation. It's me, Leisha, and you just heard the super groovy 90s style track titled Feel Alive by Claudia, Ashab Nasir, and Irwin and Fire. And if you were just listening in right now, we had the pleasure to interview Claudia earlier in the show, but you can always listen in via our Asian Pop Nation podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Anyways, moving along, we also played Salt Rain by Sogum and Kumbi. And lastly, we played Absolute Purity's song called Over the Moon because honestly, we're over the moon when APN got the opportunity to attend the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero premiere screening in Melbourne last week. 
which some of our listeners might have already known since one of our behind-the-scenes team members, Lee, posted a bit about it via our Instagram stories. I'm still just, like, freaking out about the whole movie, but... And just the whole experience. But honestly, come along with me and Lee as we give our thoughts about the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie. So, something actually special came up for us in APN. At the time that we're recording this now, it would have been last Tuesday, but since the show airs a little bit later, we'll say it was around like the 15th of March. Me and one of our APN members, Lee, who... She's right here. Hi. (laughs) A voice you may not be familiar with, but she actually has been working a lot, part of our social media team, along with Celeste. And this is so awkward because we're we're like friends out of radio world, so it's very Mm -hmm. weird to talk in a radio setting. But yeah, we got invited to attend the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie premiere. That was in Melbourne, and pretty much this is going to be our little review of what we thought about the movie. So for people who don't really understand what the world of Jujutsu Kaisen is, it's pretty much set in a world where humans let out curse energy that brings out monsters known as curses, and then there's like a whole secret group known as Jujutsu Sorcerers who are set to fight these creatures through controlling their own cursed energies and bam 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 it's action it's shonen yeah i think familiar listeners of asian pop nation would not expect to hear my voice and lee's voice when it comes to talking about anime we obviously have our usual jp Zenya, aaron they're the top notch in the anime category but lee what do you think of the movie it was great yeah I think it was expected that the animation would be really good because mm-hmm. it was done by Mapa Series, obviously, and they did Attack on Titan as well, mm-hmm. and yeah. also Chainsaw Man, which is coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, Lou's yeah. like diehard Chainsaw Man fan, her and one <laughs> of our other friends. But yeah, so pretty much this movie, if you're familiar with the Jujutsu Kaisen anime, um, scratch all of that because we're not following the main like protagonist of the anime. It's a prequel, so we're following a different character. Goes by the name of Utah. He's like a very timid high school student who suffers from a curse, who takes the form of his late girlfriend, and he eventually joins Jujutsu High through meeting the Jujutsu Sorcerer Gojo. The whole process, he's like building his confidence, and he's like finding curses and making connections with his fellow classmates, and that's pretty much the gist of it. Of course, there's like the antagonist. Leave the name. Give me the name. Wait, let me. <laughs> What's his full name? Okay, his name is Ghetto. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> we sound like we don't know what we're talking about. For clarification, I'm the only one who doesn't really know what I'm talking about because me and Lee come from two different circles in which I only watch up to episode nine of Jujutsu Kaisen and then went out to watch this movie. And Lee has watched everything and read all the manga question mark yes i have from like your perspective of someone who's like you pretty much you know every like all the original source material with the manga how do you think the movie did yeah so overall really good but there was like this time skip in the middle and i did not Mm. even realize there was a time skip and like oh wait what was the time skip part it was like one, one year it was like through them wearing like their winter clothes and stuff. Oh. Yeah. And then like later on they were saying, oh, Utah has been studying there for like a year. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess the plot, because it's like three volumes of the 
manga and they sort of have to like compress it into one movie so it's like inevitable that mm. some parts are cut out but yeah overall pretty good still mm-hmm. yeah i think from my perspective as someone who like not finished with the editor <laughs> i think it's a pretty good like standalone film i think for people who like know everything about jujutsu kaisen this part can kind of suck but for me who doesn't mm. really know much about jujutsu kaisen this is good so pretty much in the film they like re-explain all the concepts of like how this world works it re-explain a lot of like the existing characters from the series and for me that was good but I was looking across the sea and like looking at Lee and I was like, this is probably the most boring like exposition moment for her because she's heard this 20 billion times. I don't know. Was that how you felt? Um, well, since the anime finished quite a while ago, I guess it was like a good refresher mm. as well for me. But yeah. I think the movie does a really good job with building like Utah as like a full whole character. Like, I don't know. I think his arc was very nicely done like i felt like oh cool i'm excited to see him if he ever shows up in like the series we said we would totally not share our like fan girly thoughts but i uh. want us to tap a little bit into that because oh we were like the worst two people sitting together in that row yeah <laughs> okay there was hardly anyone in our row we were just sitting next to like yeah. very chill people Pretty good seats as well in the middle mm-hmm. yeah it was like kind of funny because yeah we were just like every time gojo showed up and then, um, um, it was not safe. It was not safe for both of us. And then, not on me. Oh my god. What was your favorite scene in the movie? You're sounding like the Crunchyroll person that was oh like interviewing us after the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite part was when not me came to the screen. You didn't say that. <laughs> yes, you did say that. I'm, I copy paste literally what Lee said to the Crunchyroll hey, stop. What I what I should have said was when Nanami took his tie off. That sounded less family friendly. Okay, but you know. <laughs> oh, anyways, haha. <laughs> Ghetto's teeth. For context, I swear I've seen Ghetto's teeth more times in the movie than I've seen mm. like half of the characters. The uh, animators had like a very, did a very interesting fixation on this one antagonist teeth. No, nice though. <laughs> Nicely animated, I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was what you meant, 100% leave. <laughs> yeah, I guess do you have any like final closing thoughts about the movie, especially if someone who's like, I don't want to say veteran Jujutsu Kaisen um, fan, but you kind of are. But you're putting me on the spot, Lisha. <laughs> I'll give you time to process for me, who's like a newbie newbie, um, out of 10 Jujutsu Sorcerers, I give it a solid 9 out of 10. I think, especially in like the shonen anime movie genre, I think this delivered. I also agree with Lee that there are little like time skip moments that just kind of like took me out from the plot. That's why it's not perfect 10 out of 10, but I think the overall experience watching it it's just really good, and I think Jujutsu Kaisen, the plot and the animation at least, just naturally fits very well in, like, a film setting. But, Leo, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, I would also give it 9 Jujutsu Kaisen Sorcerers out of 10. It's not a perfect 10 because Nanami did not speak at all in the movie. But he did take his tie off, which is why it's a 9. Yeah, as you can see, where we are the best reviewers of anime. We care about teeth, neckties, and more. So and plot. I guess, And obviously plot, for sure. But 
I guess let us know what you guys think of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero since it is currently out in Melbourne cinemas just everywhere right now. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Thanks, Lee, for tagging along with me on this review. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here tonight on Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha, and you just heard a trio of songs from some amazing Asian female artists. We first had Eno Chen with her song titled Turu Dilida. We also had Solar with her comeback track titled Honey. And lastly, we have the one and only Umi with her song called Sorry, which I think it's a perfect song just to say sorry to all of our responsibilities, like university work, for example, because we've just been procrastinating because of all of these new games and video game content in general. We have just been engaging, which fun fact majority are made by Asian gaming companies. So join us as we take a little bit of a pause from all of our life worries and momentarily pretend to be a video game show. So let's go. So we talked about games off mic a while ago, and we realized that a lot of the games we've been playing lately are actually like Asian. That was crazy. And we thought, hey, we may as well talk about some cool games here on Asian Pop Nation. So the first game I would like to mention that I've been playing personally is Elden Ring. Uh, does anyone here know what Elden Ring is? It's like an obscure... One <laughs> of the rings, we'll call it that. Something like that. For those who somehow don't know what Elden Ring is, let me explain it to you really briefly. It's one of the latest big fantasy action RPG games that was released about 24th of February, and it was developed by From Software. So these are the guys responsible for Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Sekiro, lots of the really big but also extremely difficult and rage-inducing games lately. So yeah, this new iteration of their game is uh, absolutely massive. It's a big open-world game. It's like, a, it's like Genshin Impact, but better. How can oh. you say that? Oh, you seriously, I wow. seriously mean this. The action feels much cooler. But does it have pretty characters? Check me. You can make one. You, you can, can make one. Man. There are quite a few as well. Like, I'm not lying. Hey, Lee, you're supposed to be defending me here. You play Genshin you're gonna defend more often than me. <laughs> okay, so not only is it better than Genshin, I would like to add oh. in another factor that makes it uh, even more interesting. Much of the writing for this game was done by none other than George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He moved from what? Like Game, game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game yes. Yeah. No, no. Basically, um, he was approached by the mm -hmm. director of From Software. His name is uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki, by the way. Mm -hmm. Wow, Miyazaki mm -hmm. is like a lucky name, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, Miyazaki, he approached George R.R. R. Martin and said, hey, we're making a game. Here's a bunch of cool fantasy art we made. Uh, Could you please write some backstory for us? And he's like, hell yeah. I don't think he actually said that like that. But yeah, he did much of the writing. So a lot of the story of Elden Ring is very Nordic inspired. So lots of runes, lots of like cool goats with horns and gods. And uh, you get to fight all of them and die over and over again again it's a it's a great it's a brilliant fun experience um so that's what i've been playing how about you Leisha? i remember you mentioning something about an arc that was lost yes ahoy matey it is me <laughs> yes i have been playing lost arc 
pretty much also in the RPG genre as Elden Ring. However, it's more categorized as a free-to-play MMO action RPG. Mm. Wahoo! Yeah, so it's developed by Tripod Studios and Smallgate RPG. Smallgate in particular is a South Korean video game company. And I picked it up mainly because, one, because Lee was talking about it. Hi. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, Lee's like my insider scoop on all these things. She's a hashtag gamer better than me. I also heard about it because it was like blowing up everywhere. I don't know where the popularity came from, but from what I read... Within 24 hours of release, it became the second highest played game on Steam with 1.325 million concurrent players, which is like mind-boggling insane. And then the servers just couldn't handle it and actually couldn't even play the game for like the first few days that it came out. The servers were just insane. But I cannot say it's more exciting than Elden Ring. Not gonna lie, the description of Elden Ring sounds more engaging. But this is free. And you can customize your characters too. I spent like three hours. Wait, I'm, I'm wondering a... how how crazy can you go with the character customization? Not that crazy. Not as crazy Not as Elden Ring. Yeah, because I know how um, far is Elden Ring? In Elden Ring, Bruh. you can make a uh, Kermit. <laughs> yeah, like some people, they've made Kermit. They've made the dude from Mega Mind. They made Shrek. Ah, <laughs> uh, of course, the quintessential yeah. like three characters that ever exist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's a thing Lost Ark needs to improve on. Indeed. <laughs> but you can't even, like, see a character in Lost Ark. You can see oh, the back. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it is, like, tiny because what is it's like, a third-person thing. So you spend all that long customizing to not even see it that much. But it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Um... But yeah, I was slightly addicted to this game when it first came out. I've never really engaged too much in like MMORPG genre. So I felt like this was like my first taste. And then I just like, I went insane. I honestly have not been playing it for a while. So my memory of this game is slightly fading. I just remember the rush I had from just first time exposure to MMORPG genre. And it was like insane to me, like the class selection and everything, the power dynamic. Oh, it was so mind-blowing to me, but that's it for me. I guess now we're just opening it the table for everyone else. The only thing that I could say that I've been playing is like a Japanese language game. How sad is that? <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. The last game I downloaded was Stardew Valley. That's still on my phone. Oh, I love Stardew Valley. Oh, it's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I haven't touched it in months, so... Oh. Now, that's the same with me to my Animal Crossing. Um, I feel like I haven't opened it in a year, which is... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. But two years. Mm, it's bad. It's like, we were definitely victims on one of those, like, oh my god, pandemic just happened. Animal Crossing, it's the perfect game. And then you, like, binge play it for the mm-hmm. two weeks and then proceed to, like, never touch it again for, like, yeah. a year plus. Yeah, Animal you Crossing. You know, I, I would only play it more if the villagers were meaner. Oh, that's what yeah. I heard a lot of people say about yeah. the New Horizons. Yeah, mm, very not... nice. You see, Leisha, in many of the older games, um, a lot of the villagers would like force you to do errands for them, and it was really funny. And like sometimes they'd call you names for not wow. doing it properly. Like, oh, isn't yeah. this supposed to be like escape from reality, not bringing you back to <laughs> having real people up? having some anthropomorphic animal telling you what to do? Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's more of a magical experience, I think. Maybe because it isn't reality that someone yelling at you isn't that bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know. 
and like it's a it's a safe space to enact revenge in one way like it's a video game although like you can't really do much Mm -hmm. let's say something about you if you like that they are punishing you (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe that's just my kink If you've heard other people say it, maybe it's something within all of us. Yeah, I don't know. There's like a whole team yes, backing we, JP's point. Yeah. Deep inside, we all like being spanked. That's... We're <laughs> <laughs> editing <laughs> video. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to any editors. Tracy, are you got anything nice and lighthearted to share with them? <laughs> I don't really game, but I watch Minecraft Let's Plays sometimes, and there's a new season of Hermitcraft out. That's all. Anyway, it's pretty cool, but it has nothing to do with Asian people, so I'm probably going to cut it out. Aaron, do you have any special game you want to like mention before we wrap it up? Uh, the only game I've been playing lately is it's a game that got released back onto PlayStation 3, really old, called Tales of Exilia. And it's a JRPG game that got released, I think it was 2011 or maybe 2012, I think I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of this one, though I forgot what it was about. It's basically story focuses on June Mathis and Mila Maxwell as they're trying to find a way to destroy the schism. But this game is a lot more complicated as more twists and plots and especially has well called Olympias. Okay, that's cool. Is this a Japanese game? Yeah, it is. It's from Namco. Oh. Well, Bandai Namco, whatever you call them. So yeah, that's what I'm playing so far. I'm just replaying that again. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to close it off. But anyway, yeah, those were some of the cool, mostly Asian games we've been playing lately. Let us know what you've been playing, if you have been playing any, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Uh, yeah, let's game. Ooh, games. Hey, this is Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. You're listening to myself, Leisha, here tonight. And the songs you just heard were Tomboy by G Idol. We also have a US plus Australia collaboration with Hyvin featuring SD with the song called Pretty Girl. And lastly, we play Yuna's Pantone 17 13 30, which I'm just obsessed with that song. Oh my God. Including like all the other songs from the Y1 album, like... <laughs> Another thing which, spoiler alert, I am obsessed with right now is the highly anticipated Disney Pixar movie called Turning Red. And of course, we have a few of our APN team members like JB, Xenia, and myself who are going to be talking more in depth about this movie right now. P.S. Priya is the best character in the movie. Now, does anyone remember a short film, Val? Yeah, yeah. about the dumpling. Yes. Yeah, about the mother who ate her son, who was a dumpling. That was directed by Domi Shi, who won an Academy Award for that short film. Rightfully so. That film both, like, traumatized me slash, like, I don't know, intrigued me. It was an emotional roller coaster. But she made her feature directorial debut with Disney and Pixar's latest animated movie, Turning Red. And we've talked about it several times before, just kind of reacting to the trailer. But now it's out. It's on Disney+. Plus. It came out, I think, at the time of this recording, about a week ago. And so it's the first movie to be solely directed by a woman, as well as having the full leadership in charge of the movie, or being women. The story follows the coming of age of Mei Lin Lee, voiced by Rosalie Chang, an overachiever and confident 13-year-old girl, Chinese-Canadian living in Toronto in 2002 and who gets torn between staying as her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. So after an embarrassing scenario with her overprotective mother, Ming Li, 
voiced by the amazing Sandra O. Oh. May wakes up one day having turned into, you guessed it, a giant red panda. She then finds out, though, she can transform into her red panda form if she expresses extreme emotions like anger, sadness, happiness. Don't we all wish we could become giant red pandas? Anyway, I think also something to mention from the cast list is Four Towns Music is actually written by Phineas O'Connell and Billie Eilish. Um, oh, what? Yes, yeah. oh. The sibling duo. You knew that like the top artists of 2010s and 2020s would also have a good knack for 90s music, but... You know, they surprise us. But yeah, for those who have seen it, what were your initial thoughts coming into it? And what did you think coming out of it? Was it oh. as you expected? Yeah, you know, um, as a Chinese Canadian woman myself, I could really relate to um, the main character's like struggles with turning into a red panda. So you didn't relate to this movie at all. So you didn't relate oh, no. to it. I feel like there was a lot of issues about the relatability. But yeah, JP, did you no, feel I, like you could relate? Yeah, I, I hear there were issues online. I hear that was sort of the discourse. I didn't really mind it too much. Like, I got her. Like... I remember it was like growing up around that age and it was tough. Yeah, yeah. But also like the movie is pretty cringe. In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like it's kind of neutral because like it's so cr- it's cringe because they were so good at like portraying horny mm. 13-year-olds. Like they were almost too good. Well, what were your <laughs> thoughts Sanya, on this like going into it? I watched it with my parents, my mom. I think I'm afterwards, she was like, that's not really like something I could relate to. Well, she wasn't really Uh part of that generation who, you know, loved boy bands. And so I think it was more, yeah, for those who grew up with that obsession or who were obsessed with something once and just like was that. That kind of dorky, like, kid. I think Maylin was someone I I could totally relate to. The messaging wasn't completely like, you know, mom, just let me be. You know, she really loved her mother, even though it could be smothering at times, was, you know, like her way of showing affection and caring for her daughter. So, yeah, I could absolutely relate. And I think by the end, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of sweet. That that really lovely mother-daughter moment. As someone who was not a Canadian girl <laughs> in Toronto. But, unlike myself. Yeah, unlike, <laughs> unlike JP, unfortunately. But as someone who, yeah, I did grow up as like a like 13-year-old, very obsessed with um, boy bands. Um, it was very, I feel like this was a coming-of-age story that I related to way too much that I would like it. Yeah, Lady Bird, eat your heart out. Goodbye. But... <laughs> I just really love this movie. I think I gave it like a five out of five after I watched it. I also did watch it with my mom. Interesting to watch it because the whole dynamic is about like the movie discusses about <laughs> mother-daughter dynamic and intergenerational trauma and stuff like that. So at some point my mom's just like, oh, Alicia. <laughs> did she apologize to you? or? <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. But it was just like, you know, it's just when I said, it was just like, oh, um, I hope this wasn't what you went through from your head. Um, Domishi did say that the whole like turning to a red panda thing is like a metaphor of like magical puberty is the word that she uses for it. So that's what the whole like turning to a panda moment meant. The song is a bop. The one song that they got a Japanese boy band to record is really good. And I think we're going to play it today. Yes, we are. Choosing for <laughs> the future. <Ooh. laughs> 
<laughs> but yes, we are going to be playing right after. I really loved the exaggerated <laughs> animation at times. Yes. Oh my god. I think like in the documentary, she said it was like very inspired. There's a lot of scenes which are very inspired by Domichi's love for like anime and stuff. And I think yeah, you can, you can definitely... tell from like hey, the wait, eyes and their. Uh, I have a question. Did she ever mention Sailor Moon at any point? Yes, she did. Yeah. 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 Did you get that vibe? <laughs> no, no, it's the colors. The colors. The colors? Yeah, it's all Sailor Moon. There are a lot of pinks and bright blues mm. in much of the movie. Like, I don't know if you, if that makes sense, but like, I've watched Sailor Moon before, and damn, that's like identical. I agree. That's like, with you guys, the animation, like, Pixar, they kind of... They turned it up a notch with the animation. They definitely went very like, I mean, I think Domishi experimented with how like Pixar can go in terms of like animation and their style and stuff like that. And this is going to be a minor tangent. I just, there's so much discourse online about this movie before the movie even came out. So there was this one critic guy. He wrote this article and then he was just like, oh, I can like not relate to this movie at all. It's like about like it's about this Chinese Korean girl living in Toronto. And I feel like that demographic is like really limiting and really small. And I just can't relate to it at all. Everyone was just like, God, there's themes about just like trying to survive like adolescence, which everyone goes through and just like fear of disappointing your parents, which everyone like goes through that sort of fear and stuff like that it has very like universal themes that was just nuts to me yeah I think that's interesting there are a lot of times where like marginalized groups have had to find ways to still empathize with characters that aren't necessarily you know their experiences Mm -hmm. and that's what movies are about at least what stories are about is one of the great things about watching movies and reading books is that you get to experience lives that you probably never would get to experience so yeah I think I understand that not everyone can relate to the experience but I think it's still interesting to know for those who have experienced it what it feels like for them I think the discourse is like yeah that there's another side to it that you could take away you could either say you don't relate to it or you know either question why it is you don't relate to it and perhaps it's a good sign because we haven't seen stories like this to a specific time place family Mm -hmm. that yeah I feel like Maybe it shows a shift in what kind of stories we're going to tell. It's not necessarily going to be universal, but maybe a a singular story can be something that everyone can eventually relate to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Zenia, that was so good. I could have cried right now. (laughs) I also cried watching this movie as well. Fun fact. What gets you? (laughs) What got you? Because mine was like in the Bamboo Grove and she says, don't hold back for anyone. The farther you go, the prouder I'll be. I, oh my God. I also just saw that like that bamboo scene, but it was like the moment she saw like her mom and her mom was like a younger version of herself. And then she's just sobbing and, and then like, I don't know. In that moment, it like hit, really hit the whole like intergenerational trauma, like side plot. And I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, dear God. And then it just, the tears just like didn't stop to the end. <laughs> but yeah, so if you've seen Turning Red, I've sh- got a feeling quite a few people have now. Please let us know what you thought, what kind of animal you'd want to turn into every time you were emotional. <laughs> Tell us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Welcome everybody to Asian Pop Nation. We just played Nobody Like You by The Ice, which comes from the Japanese version of the Turning Red movie soundtrack. 
We also played two songs which were requested by Kanako, thanks by the way. Her first request being Nightwalker by South Penguin, coming from the new album titled Red. The second song request was by Japanese female artist Aimeon with her song called Marigold. Remember, you can always message us through our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Asian Pop Nation if you want your own song request played here in the show. Moving along, however, our APN team member Tracy is gonna fill you in on all the details of another movie coming from A24, which will be releasing in Australia soon in April, so fingers crossed we actually get to watch it and give a review much later, but... The movie is called After Yang, which has actually already gotten some positive reviews since its earlier release in America. So want to know more about this family-centric sci-fi story? Take a listen right now. So if you're a regular listener, you might know that during the first show of the year, we talked about the trailer for a movie about parallel universes called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This movie was distributed by Art House Film Studio A24, directed by the same guys who did the Turn Down for White music video, and stars Michelle Yeoh as the main character. Well, that movie just came out on the 14th of April in Australia, and it's got really great reviews from critics. So if you want to watch a fun, fast-paced, off-the-wall, kind of crazy movie with a bunch of Asian talent, both on screen and behind the scenes, make sure you check out Everything, everywhere, all at once at your local cinemas. There's a bunch of screenings in late March, but they're all like special screenings and limited runs, so getting quick because probably not going to be around for quite that long. Now, moving on to another Asian-American sci-fi movie, A24 also has a film out called After Yang, or After Yang, if you want to pronounce it properly, like a Chinese person. It premiered last July at the Cannes Film Festival and has just been released globally. But like a lot of things in Australia, we're getting it later. So mid to late April looks like when it's going to be opening in Australian cinemas. After Gang was written, directed, and edited by the South Korean-born American filmmaker and video essay maker Koganada. This movie marks his second feature film after his debut, Columbus, which starred John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. And apparently it's about them just walking around this city with nice modernist architecture, just having a nice conversation. I might check that out. Sounds pretty fun. Anyway, back to this movie, After Young. After Young, or After Yang, is adapted from the short story called Saying Goodbye to... I have to decide. I have to decide, Yang or Yang. Saying Goodbye to Yang by the author Alexander Weinstein, who is not related to Harvey Weinstein. Now, this movie is about a family who purchases a secondhand android called Yang to teach their adopted Chinese daughter fun facts about the culture of the motherland. Yang is played by Justin H. Min, who you might recognise as Ben Hargreaves from the Netflix show Umbrella Academy. The two parents are played by Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith. So it's like a cool multi-ethnic family unit. When Yang malfunctions one day, the family searches for a way to repair him. And in doing so, they discover that there are more aspects of their lives that need to be repaired. What do you think about the trailer since we can't watch the movie yet? It's giving me like Blade Runner, do Android stream of electric sheep vibes, but in a more domestic sense. <laughs> <laughs> domestic like, Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, within a family rather than like trying to hunt down androids that want to be humans. I think I'll check it out oh. just purely because I love sci-fi that explore that idea. Yeah. That's also pretty cool because um, Blade Runner is kind of like authoritarian, but it's kind of portrayed almost like it's sort of very aesthetic. 
almost utop- no, it's not utopian at all. But this film is kind of interesting in that the dystopia is sort of presented behind a veneer of just like cool sci-fi futuristicness. Does anyone have any thoughts? Uh, I just added it to my watch list. That trailer and um, the opening scene that like Tracy sent us off air, that convinced me enough to like, I need to check it out. It's just, it's just so interesting to me. It's like weirdly almost like serene for something that's, you know, about like AI and stuff. And I feel like, I don't know, current movies about AI and things like that are very like, like, like super sci-fi, you know, high CGI boom in your face sort of thing. Yeah, it like reminds yeah. me of like my mom really likes this movie called Player One or something, and that's just Ready like, Player One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> my mom really likes that right, movie. Yeah. And every time I see her watching it, I'm like, wow, this is very like in your face, like things, technology, and this one, I feel like, yeah, it plays much more of like a. Like, I don't know, it's it's kind of almost scary how Serene is, which is why it intrigues me. But yes, I put it on my watch list. I'm very, I'm super, super intrigued about this. And A24, they just kind of, I know I roasted Lady Bird like two, two segments ago, which is also an A24 movie, but I swear A24, they're, they're kind of like killing it at the moment. So I'm very excited. And I just genuinely heard a lot of good things from American reviewers that, I keep up with because of course America gets the films and stuff earlier than we do and I've just heard consistently very very good comments about this movie so it is on my watch list for sure I am hyped thank you Tracy for reminding me that it is actually coming soon here I'm pretty excited for this movie yeah like um like Leisha said very comfy I think comfy and serene are good words for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like, yeah, Leisha, you said serene. And A24 obviously killing it with the Asian-American rep. I think they did Minari. They obviously did that Michelle Yeoh film that I was just talking about. Um, I thought an interesting aspect to this movie is that it's sort of a spin on how Asians are portrayed in sci-fi, right? Because I not to spoil too much of the movie, but... I guess a key part of it is that the android is treated as just like a hired sort of indentured servant, not really human. People are kind of prejudiced against androids. They, you know, don't consider them as like fully formed human beings. And I guess a big part of it is when the android breaks down, they go into his memories and they discover that he's like way more sort of emotionally fully formed than they thought. And some critics have pointed out that this is kind of similar to how, I guess, a lot of people who maybe probably think of Asians as this very one-dimensional sort of stereotype. And I guess this movie is sort of an allegory for, I guess, people opening up and seeing that uh, we are more than just the stereotypes portrayed in media and that we are also um, kind of emotional human beings as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. I've also been reading a lot of interviews from Justin H. Min, who is one of the stars of this movie. And he's just an interesting guy to read interviews from because he's like a cerebral Californian dude. Apparently they filmed this like way back like two years ago and then it's only being released now. So that's very, that's very interesting to me. But yeah, no, I think Tracy, what you mentioned, especially with like what you heard from the director talking through like, how yeah this movie plays on that like the asian stereotype especially with sci-fi that's just like so interesting that like low-key blew my mind <laughs> that kind of like blew my mind a bit which i was like that is so true and yeah here's this movie now and it's actually like again showing more of like the complexities and stuff so that is very that's very cool 
if you're looking forward to seeing this movie or you're looking forward to seeing everything everywhere all at once, let us know on our social medias, Asian Pop Nation, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or Spotify Podcasts, which we never plug, but we probably should start plugging. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha, and you just heard our song request from Matthew, first being Tajoshi with their song, Ashita ni Tsunage Sayonara, and we also had Lyrical School with their song called Fantasy. Lastly, we played the latest title track from super popular K-pop male group Stray Kids called Maniac, which also comes from their latest LP called Ordinary. In the theme of latest releases, not so much in music, but in series and movies, our next segments are going to be a little bit of a three-in-one trailer reactions to a whole bunch of new Asian media content. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's start with our trailer reaction to the final trailer of the sequel movie, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, releasing on the 31st of March in Australia. Okay, I'm not a fan of hedgehogs, but I do enjoy one hedgehog in general, that's it. What, he's blue, he's not spiky, but at least he turns yellow in some points in the life. Yeah, I'm talking about the blue hedgehog himself, Sonic the Hedgehog. And yeah, welcome back to Asia Pop Nation. Today we are talking about the final trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 that got released, well, earlier this week. Anyway, and if you don't know, this is basically the anticipated sequel from the first movie that got released in 2019. Originally from 2019, but instead got released in 2020 due to, let's just say, the original design. You can play Detective Pikachu for that one, but it doesn't matter. And yeah, if you don't know, it's, this movie, number two anyway, is based on the sequel. It's basically adapting the first, well, basically adapting the second game, but same time having elements from the third game from the Genesis back in 1992 to 1994, if I remember correctly, to 95. It could be out of those two years, I can remember. But yeah, in this movie, Sonic's now teaming up with his own sidekick, Tails, to stop Eggman once again, but this time Eggman managed to turn this up with his new partner, Knuckles the Echidna, as a search for the secrets of the Master Emerald as the final way to destroy power of the civilization. You got Bench Wars, James Marsden, and Jim Carrey, and especially, basically, we Basically, majority of the first team from the cast from the first movie, as we're saying, Colin director uh, Jeff Fowler. And also returning to this is Colin O'Shaughnessy, who is returning tales from the original games, like from Sonic Boom Rise lyrics to currently right now. So I'm glad she's back. But what's surprising most is that Iris Eldris, who voiced Knuckles, if you don't know, he's the guy who played, uh, well, the main character from Suicide Squad in James Gunn's version. So yeah, Idris, Idris Elba plays Knuckles now, and he's on a TV show that's coming up next year. So yeah. Let's just talk about this movie. What are y'all thinking about this one right now? Who here watched the first one? I did. Really? I did. did I, you like it? With, I said that with zero enthusiasm. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> no, it's like, it was okay. I mean, I don't, again, I don't have like a, like, in terms of the games, I don't have like an upbringing with the Sonic games. So I just watched it purely for like a movie thing. And I was like, it was fun. It was cute. I think, um, what's his name uh, oh yeah jim carrey i think he like smashed it out of the park but everyone else i was pretty like meh about i guess the even like- john Maston is that his name james Maston. james Maston. yeah oh him um i liked him in hairspray <laughs> <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> I-, I loved him in that movie um yeah i mean it was, it was it was like fine it was harmless fun um but that's me with the first one but <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a theme park movie yeah. Oh, that's a good way. Yeah, to yeah. Like you know, it's a fun. It's just like a fun a show. Fun but it's not like yeah. It's not like some deep, you know, oh, classic literature. I I will say, um, as a kid that grew up with Sonic, I'm really happy that this is actually happening because most video game movies don't turn out like this. Yeah. 
Like they're usually pretty terrible, but this one's like, hey, it's kind of all right, you know. I mean, the first one was good. Yeah, it has a pretty cool story, but at least they have the source material they're following, which is something I will respect the most. Yeah, is, yeah. This is probably like one of the two video games, what one of the three video games adaptation into a movie that actually is done right. Mm-hmm. material. Like Detective Picture did a ride, Mortal Kombat 2, the movie got released in the 90s. That was also good. Mm-hmm. And well, the first time I got Hedgehog movie is also good. So that's that. But what I'm cautious about this one is that I might jump the gun a bit for this movie, though. Really? In what way? Like, the might go, like, example, like, they have Knuckles in this one, and they got Tails. Again, Tails got introduced in the second movie, and also the introduce of the seven Chaos Animals, and also you got the Death Deck robots for well, and of course, uh, what is it, the big Death Deck? Yeah, the big, yeah, Death Deck robot as well, like, you know, the one with the metal arms all that stuff with his face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that got introduced in the second movie, but what made me cautious is that they're introducing Knuckles and the Mass Emerald. And they the feel like they're cramming too many ideas into one movie, though. That's my only concern, because Knuckles got introduced in Sonic 3, Knuckles, including the Master Emerald. Mm, I see. Yeah. This yeah. We have. Way. Yeah. You're, you're right about like having two big characters introduced like all in one. Um, it could get quite crammed, but um, that depends on how long the film will be as well. Like if it's like, a, I don't know, one hour and a half might be a little tight. But if they make it two hours, I don't know. It could work. I have hope for this, Aaron. I'll say I have hope for it. I'm not looking for a masterpiece. I'm just looking for a fun ride. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think they can deliver. Like that CG was pretty good. Yeah, the, I'll give us credit for the project. The CG is really good, especially in the first one. It still holds up, and especially how we kind of did bully the whole animation studio team to redesign Sonic from the first movie. We all yeah, that, that was that was kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of sad, but it was actually a well done reward in my opinion. At least we know they listened to us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But man, those poor animators—they were worked to the bone for that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. What makes it more surprising, I'm actually glad about that brought Colleen O'Shaughnessy back to voice Tails, which I am happy the most about that one. If you don't oh. know Colleen O'Shaughnessy, she plays Tails in from Sonic. Like she replaced Kate Higgins from, who played her from uh, Sonic Free Rise all the way to Mario Sonic as a 2014 Olympic Winter Games. But with oh. Colleen, she replaced her from the beating out of Sonic Boom, and she's currently voicing him right now. So I'm glad oh, okay. Colleen back, and she's the only voice actress of the, from the game to come back into the series, which I am glad. Right, yeah. And like she's actually experienced with the character too, so that's um that's fortunate. Yeah, I'm glad she's there. But with the biggest surprise, I think everyone did was Idris Elba playing Snuffles. Mm. Which honestly, I'm kind of hope- I was kind of hoping that Travis Willingham would be coming back voice him, if not Dan Green, because they got Colleen back. Why not Dan Green if not uh, Travis Willingham? But no, Idris Elba is surprisingly good one. I must say that I'm impressed that we've gotten such thorough analysis on a Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer. I think yep. this is a sort of hard-hitting journalism. This is the Asian pop nation difference that you tune into us every week for. And I just want to say I'm so happy to be part of this. <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring you such insights. I'm happy to be proud of this too. I mean, part of this. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm real sleepy. It feels like we're just departing right now. It just feels like this is the final show we're all doing. <laughs> Sayonara, everyone. Oh, we have two more segments. I know. And they're all. I'm so impressed that you know all the Sonic the Hedgehog like Lord. voice actors, Aaron. That's amazing. Well, I kind of did a full on voice addict, addict back in high school, so that's probably why. So oh, that really? That's cool. I still that's wanted Jason cool. back as Sonic. I wanted him to do that, but no, you cannot have Jason Griffith because he was in LA, but I don't care. You could have just brought him back in here because you got Colin O'Shannon's back, but again. First movie, make a sample. Bench was does an amazing job as him, so I'm happy for him. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a voiceover part. Like, how hard can scheduling be? It's not like filming that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Voiceover takes, like, I don't know, two weeks max, hopefully. I don't know. I have no mm. idea. Depending on the project as well, because with certain voice actors, like, depending on the project, if it's Disney or something, it would take probably around a couple of weeks, if not maybe a month or two to record the whole thing. Again, they have to read, like, again, they have to do the voice line, then animate, and then in some occasions, they have to redub the whole thing with grunts and moaning all that stuff. And then some of it, you got television all this stuff that take like a couple of days at the same time depending on which one you're doing you get all the ad libs the dubs as well the animation will go first and then you have to dub the whole thing like line by line all that stuff that can to take like a couple of weeks now a couple of days to do or if not a couple of hours before that one character do that scene i just went a full and addict for diagnosing the whole yeah thing. yeah tracy got like a whole deep dive into video acting in the street that was like torrent <laughs> that was that was a lot of knowledge all at once imparted <laughs> Anyhow, if you guys are going to be interested in watching the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie, they'll be coming out, well, if I remember correctly, on March 15th, Australia Day. If not, it could be on April 8th, 2022. They'll be coming out worldwide release, maybe. If not, it could be an American release. We still don't know if that, but what the heck? What the hell? This final trailer came out on March 15th. Now, I might take my statement back. Never mind. It'll be released on April 8th. So, yeah, I apologize for that. It'll be released on April 8th. And remember, make sure you hear more information about this movie. And remember, subscribe. If not, Give us an honest opinion about the movie if you're watching it on hpopnation.com, on our website, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, wear a mask, stay healthy, wash your hands if you get the chance, and get tested as mostly as possible. And remember, stay fast. Just make sure you follow the speed limit a bit. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. We are slowly approaching to the late night hours. So hello to all the night owls tuning into Asia Pop Nation. This is Leisha here, the EP of APN, and you were just listening to US artists Joyce Rice and Kai Tranada with the song called Ice Tea. We also had Popo J with the song called I Will Never Change. And lastly, we had Rad Museum featuring Dean. Yes, the Dean coming out from his mysterious cave to fit his one song per century quota, but also featuring Lehigh with the song called Offline. Now, if you listener have been feeling maybe a bit offline yourself and haven't really been keeping up with much Asian media content, fear not as we in APN are now your lifesavers. Pretty much, we are currently doing our little movie slash series reaction train our second trailer of our discussion tonight, however, is definitely more on the slightly obscure end of the spectrum when we discuss about the concept on a basic level, but you'll see what conclusions the APN team has when we talk in depth about the trailer for the new Japanese series coming to Netflix on April 21st called He's Expecting. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be pregnant as a guy, JP and Aaron? Yeah, as a as a Chinese Canadian woman myself, yeah, I do wonder about that. Why do you ask? You're not a woman. Oh, okay. You're a man. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Anyway, why do you ask this, Xenia? Well, it seems like you can now experience it secondhand through this upcoming Netflix TV series from Japan Thank called you. He's Expecting. Oh, okay. So we're not sure what to expect, but we know he's expecting. It's based on a manga called Hiyama Kentaro no Nishin, which means Kentaro Hiyama's first pregnancy by Eri Sakai. And it was released back in 2012, which follows the story of, can you guess, Kentaro Hiyama's first pregnancy. And he's played by Takumi Saito. He is a 32-year-old cisgender male and an elite advertising executive who gets his world turned upside down when he finds out one day that he is pregnant. He and his partner, Aki Seto, now must face the difficulties that come with pregnancy and preparations for parenthood together. 
as the series seems to aim to flip traditional male and female roles during these times. And so the first season will contain eight episodes, roughly 23 minutes long, like anime episode length. I'm guessing a lot of us here have seen the trailer. If you're listening, I do suggest you check it out. It's interesting is the neutral word we're going to use here. If you can think of any other descriptors, let us know. (laughs) Initial reactions are welcome. Uh, I I actually, I did have a dream that this series would happen, but I woke up in a cold sweat. What's interesting about this, I like how um, you described it as like the reversal of the role thing. Because going through the trailer, one important story beat that came up was the fact that he was like this high performing guy at like this agency right and all of a sudden like because of this pregnancy he has to like step down think about changing his career yeah it must be tough being a pregnant guy we've seen these stories before whether it be real or in fiction mm-hmm. with a woman who's performing well and suddenly she's pregnant so i think almost watching it is uncomfortable as like a woman not necessarily yeah, but, like, now, now i get it you know now i get it <laughs> And it's, it's uncomfortable hearing the woman say, you know, like, let's talk about marriage when we get home. You know, I don't want to relocate. It's almost mm-hmm. like, whoa, I don't know. It feels more uh, unreal, I think. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, it goes to show, like, you know, as a guy, I don't, I didn't really understand this as much. But like, when you're pregnant, you're quite vulnerable. Like, yeah. there are a lot of things that you're subject to and you can't really control as a pregnant person, whether you're a guy or a girl. <laughs> like yeah. the scene in the trailer when he's yeah, we see in the trailer here. Yeah, you know. I think it would just be a good idea to read through some of the YouTube comments I've found the first oh, one I said. I oh really? The manga <laughs> it's inspired by is truly a gem in the Empreg world and the trailer they've revealed is quite intriguing. I like that little by little the taboo and morbidity are being eliminated when touching on this type of themes that are becoming present in today's society. The most intriguing part of that comment is the Empreg world. So this is like a whole genre within manga. Interesting. I've never heard of this. I didn't know that. Another one that was actually kind of cool was this comment from someone that said, it was kind of hard to swallow just now. My mouth twisted in a weird way. I'll leave it at that. I think that's I think that's kind of what the director wants. That's what they want to get out of this TV series because I think it's meant to be uncomfortable and make you think about, I guess, gender equality because you think, okay, a woman can be like a career woman and get pregnant and be a mother at the same time, whatever. But I think actually putting it onto the body, they've effectively just gender swapped. So the woman is like sort of super career oriented and is a bit off put by the fact that her partner is getting pregnant. It makes us uncomfortable, but like, why is it uncomfortable? I think that's probably the most interesting thing about this series. I would say I'm also pretty similar on like Tracy's thought process with this movie. I think like the pregnancy thing, it's just like the basic level of what this movie is about. But I think they're definitely using that as a way to like really do a whole deep dive about like yeah again like having traditional female roles and male roles kind of like swapped in the sense with the um, male protagonist being the one going through pregnancy and stuff like that there was like talks about in the trailer of the 
female protagonist like oh I'm relocating to Singapore blah 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 and it's just like okay from the get-go when for the listeners for like context Xenia suggested this trailer for us to watch and stuff like that I honest to god thought it was like a whole gimmick thing but when you actually watch the trailer I think it's, it actually brings up some interesting points and I'm actually by the end of the trailer pretty intrigued <laughs> I really do like surrealism as a device mm. to sort of examine societal issues. I think yes. it's probably easier to swallow and less, maybe less dry, maybe less, uh, maybe easier to digest than something that's just like everything is horrible and we are cursed. This is like we it squeaks you out, but it makes you think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I hope people just don't turn this into like when it comes out, people just don't be like, oh, Japan doing weird things again, type of thing. Yeah, there's a comment on this YouTube video that just, this is Japanese content. Yeah, literally. Oh, I like it. I mean, I know Japan, like media content sometimes skews into more abstract content, but God, y'all, please. So if you're willing to go through that... or are intrigued do check it out on netflix on the 21st of april we might be talking about it again who knows and who knows maybe men will eventually be able to give birth what an interesting time that will be uh, let us know your theories on facebook twitter and instagram at asian pop nation thank you for choosing asian pop nation here on sin as your choice of flight tonight <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so bad, but I just always wanted to do a little bit of a pilot impersonation. But hey, it's Leisha here, and you just heard 1300's Rockstar, which you may be familiar with their name as they just recently did a cover of Size Gundam style for like a version. So check that out. We also played soloist Kwon Unbi with her song called Esper, and we also played the song Pistachio by Asako from her latest LP called Life Shoes. As promised earlier in the show, we're going to be wrapping up a little APN team reacts to a whole bunch of trailer segments by saving the, um, best for loss with the trailer for the brand new Marvel series, Miss Marvel. Oh my god, I am like pretty hyped for this even as a casual Marvel fan, so let's just jump into it like right now. Let's go. So are any of us here like avengers or marvel fans out here just out of curiosity was that a yes or a no how do i interpret that scream <laughs> oh it's more like that. i don't know if people talk about marvel already for one week now i gotta deal with the people inside my house i've been watching marvel 24 7. Byron's an expert <laughs> and now spider-man nowhere home is now available on hd so it's yeah, just no, it's marvel it is more marvel central everywhere like i literally wait no way home now available on dvd is it on uh, disney plus yet um it's digital it's it's uh. like yeah yeah i watched it on like amazon prime <laughs> but yeah so yeah so it's out you there at the moment but not on disney plus yet for any of the marvel fans out there maybe if you're a super super big marvel fan and have especially tapped into the Marvel series that they've been doing a lot of for Phase 4. We've just got a new trailer and poster released on the 16th of March for a new superhero coming along the way. So she is going to be the first Muslim superhero, Miss Marvel. So she's going to be coming on Disney Plus and um, was it? Oh, yeah. Miss Marvel, which is pretty much going to launch on the streaming service on June 8th, is telling the story of newcomer 
Kamala Khan, aka Miss Marvel, who is a Muslim Pakistani American teenager in New Jersey, Jersey City. We're not American, so forgive me if those two are two different places, but they keep alternating between Jersey City and New Jersey. So I'm like, cool, whatever. But yeah, she pretty much goes from being a super like imaginative, like big Avengers mega fan. She especially loves Carol Danvers, which is Captain Marvel at the moment. Um, she goes from that into having powers of her own. So again, this serves as like a little origin story. The trailer gives us like little snippets of her like navigating through her struggles of high school life and family. And of course, her like growing superpowers. It kind of sounds like I'm explaining turning red synopsis, but <laughs> it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, Disney Plus, at like the same weekish, giving us info of all these like um, movies and shows that have like quite a similar plot situation happening of coming of age but yeah so Kamala Khan will be played by Iman Vilani who is a 19 year old Pakistani Canadian actress who will be making her on-screen debut in this series and it's already been confirmed that she's going to be reprising her role for the Marvel's movie which is set to be released in 2023 and yeah so so far all we know is that the series is gonna have like six episodes marvel series tend to have like i'll say one episode goes for a pretty like lengthy time so yeah so the episodes are gonna be directed by quite a handful of south asian talents um we have a lot of names which i will i apologize for butchering all their pronunciations i know my south asian ancestors are shaking their heads at me but we have ideal l r b and Bilai Fala, we also have Mira Menon and Sharmin Obadi Chinon as the main directors for the episodes, while Bishal K. Ali will be the head writer for the series. And yeah, uh, so pretty much all of us, um, I hope, have <laughs> watched the trailer for Miss Marvel. And what do you guys think? What are some first thoughts that come into your mind when you saw the trailer? Mm-hmm. Man, she's got stretchy arms. Uh, that is so interesting you bring that up because that's like one of the biggest like it's the biggest like controversy I've seen so far online Wait, really? at least. I how's don't know. Con- how's the controversy? It's part of her ability. Oh no, hang on. Unless her controversy has to do with a bracelet she's holding around her wrist. That's probably the controversy. What Aaron just said. He's pinpointed really? the exact thing. It's the it's the bracelet. Um and then I think it's I don't know. It's like I'm I must preface that I am not like Marvel's like comic person. I'm just casual like mcu person but um i just saw a lot of people yeah the main controversy comes from like her powers that are shown in the trailer some people say it's like i don't know apparently in the comics again aaron you might have to like fact check me on this but in the comics and stuff her powers are much more like separate almost from like captain marvel's type but some people think in this trailer they're making her powers like quite similar to hers or almost like making it her powers almost like green lantern's powers when her power should be more like way more stretchy arms or whatever i don't know that's just like what i've just been seeing a lot online and it's just it's interesting i i have a i have a burning question regarding that leisha yes um should we care yeah i don't know again as casual <laughs> watchers like i don't know what this does but for some people that don't at idk i mean marvel fans are they're interesting oh, okay. <laughs> they're, they're interesting things that I think a lot of them really like like comic accuracy, and so when it doesn't reach comic accuracy, it can be mm. it it it's pretty debatable topic. Um, I will just say in this moment, with the trailer out and when the show comes out, 
please highlight and amplify South Asian voices when this comes out because there, there's quite a few discourse, but it's like, I don't know. That's just my headpiece moment to say. That's all I have to say. But yeah. <laughs> but, oh. what you, but what do you guys actually think about the trailer just in general? I mean, I know all of those are not like the most diehard, diehard fans. The most passionate we got was like when Shang-Chi came out. So, <laughs> so I don't know. What do you guys like think about this trailer? I just have no. flashing lights stuck in my head now. <laughs> flashing lights oh yes that was playing throughout the whole trailer the weekend uh, song yes blinding yeah. lights it's very catchy too uh, oh, but, but, but guys what about the actual content <laughs> the actual content hmm you know alicia you mentioned that this was like the first muslim superhero to be like featured for on the scale for like marvel's like thing yes yeah yes, okay so it's like cool. It, it, it's like really cool to see. I mean, there's there's scenes where they literally, yeah, they show like still keeping up with like praying and stuff like that, which is mm. like, yeah, that's like cool to see and all that stuff. But um, I mean, again, not diehard Marvel fan, so I can't dissect you the trailer and point out every like Easter egg that relates to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I just thought the intro part, like the little like sketchbooky style type of thing, that was so cute. And I wish I I hope they keep like almost an essence of that in the actual series but i highly doubt so i think that's just like a stylistic choice for the trailer but mm. yeah i that that's mean <laughs> i mean the show could be interesting it has six episodes so far with the first season but again i want to i think i want to confirm something about this uh the reason she has miss marvel's name well technically why she has miss marvel name because she's a fan of captain marvel from well the movie captain marvel and powers, she didn't have either uh, the elastic, um, not elastic arm. She had that arm. Those gauntlet things around her arm. She didn't have that in the original source material. So elastic. her arms were basically just stretching all that stuff. And I think I remember correctly, she got that from radiation and all that stuff, like experimental, like gamma radiation you see from the Hulk, all that stuff, but without the gamma radiation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's gonna be interesting how they're gonna have that uh, gauntlet thing evolve, like that bracelet gauntlet thing evolve from TV from. Something that's new, I think, mm-hmm. into the TV show. But, well, we get to see the Marvels coming out twenty twenty three, so that's setting up for it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this whole thing is definitely like the full setup for when that booby comes out at some point in twenty twenty three. But given yeah. again, still pandemic things, I won't be holding so tight to that twenty twenty three thing. Like, I think DC is kind of going through a thing where, um, their whole plan for like movies and stuff has just been like, it, they're pushing back like so much, and it's crazy, but. The main like leadership team and majority of people who are working on this movie are people of color, um, along with I would say like mo- like most, if not all, of the main like cast and stuff. So always very cool to see. And again, as a haha, someone who is half South Asian is just I don't know. Like you just don't see some like unfortunately you just don't see South Asians exist, especially in like superhero context in like Western media. So this is kind of like. It, it, it's 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 an interesting thing to think about that this is kind of like the first real like big big like Marvel Muslim superhero moment. It's kind of surreal to think about it. And again, following her as like a um a Muslim Pakistani American teenager, it'll 
it'll just be really interesting. Yeah, again, I guess let us know what you think about this Marvel trailer. Are you like super keen on seeing this newcomer superhero entering phase four of the MCU? Fancy words that people like to use for <laughs> the current MCU trajectory we're going in. But yeah, again, let us know what you think about the trailer, how keen you are for the show. And yeah, again, let us know through Asian Palm Nation on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also, like Tracy said, should be plugging more of the podcast as well. Ah! <laughs> hey everyone, you are listening to Asian Pop Nation right here tonight with me, Leisha, as your little plus one. As we just played Brave Girl's new track called Thank You. We also played Jackson Wang's song called Poison, coming from his latest mixtape called Lost and Found. And finally, we closed it off with Ban Yong-guk's song called Up. I guess this is the moment in the show where we unfortunately have to say our goodbyes. But before that, let's do a little recap session of everything that's happened on this day. We had an incredible interview, our first interview with an Asian singer this whole season, who goes by the name of Claudia, who joined our virtual studio to talk all about her latest single, Feel Alive, with Ashav Nasir and Erwin and Fire. We also had a little get to know more about the host moment with talking about new games we have been playing lately, but also we had heaps of conversations just about new Asian movies along with new Asian series that we've either already watched or are keeping our eyes on when they do release here in Australia. But yeah, thank you so much for joining with Alicia and our team of Xenia, Tracy, Lee, JP, and Aaron tonight. And before we say goodbye, we still have some tracks for our listeners. First being a song not so appropriate for us living in the southern hemisphere as we're going through the autumn season, but a great song for everyone else in the world as we have the song called Spring Breeze by Sangwoo Junga. Remember, you can always tune into Asian Punk Nation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin. Have a great week ahead and good night everyone!